Hey, uh, qu- quick announcement. Uh, man, the, the Round Rock Christian Academy Lady Crusaders won state Friday in volleyball. So that's, uh, that's a huge deal. So they'll have a new banner in here, state champs. And, uh, and that's great. I know some of you may be traveling this week. Please be careful. That's a, I mean, uh, Thanksgiving is one of the most traveled days, I think, still in, in all the year. And so please be careful. Next week, we will have our two worship services, but we're going to, uh, take a week off from Bible fellowships next week. So kind of give a break there, but, uh, please, Please be careful. But Thanksgiving is coming up. And uh, uh, Thanksgiving, we, what, when we think about that, we think about eating a lot more than anything else. And, and uh, But we talk about getting with family, and I know it's going to be special. And so today, I want to talk to you a little bit about having a grateful heart. And uh, especially in approaching this week uh, with family and everything, having a grateful heart. Uh, I know many of you in this room, we're, we're all intrigued, uh, uh, when it comes to end time issues. We, we want to read the scriptures. You know, if you were to put a survey out there, what any book in the Bible you want to study, many people say Revelation because they want to, they want to talk about end time issues and there's many different views on end time things. But when we look at the scriptures, we uh we see certain things that are happening we see uh we see wars and rumors of war so we thinking okay lord is this your time or there are signs in the sky that uh, uh is it the the rise in immorality do we have uh, the spirit of the antichrist i was reading in first john this morning talking about the spirit of the antichrist you know is that happening are we in the the last days as far as that goes uh the fall away from the church. We're seeing more people fall away from the, the bride of Christ like uh, huge for our country. But uh, are these signs of the ends of the time? Uh, you know, is Jesus going to come back at any moment? I was reading Second Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter 3. You can look it up if you want to. I, I'm, we're not going to camp out there. Uh, but I want to point out one thing to you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul was talking about the last days, and, and this is what he said. I'm, I'm just going to read uh, first five verses, but it says this, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Uh, You know, we read that and we think, man, you know, Lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, arrogant, proud, abusive, uh, lovers of money, all these kind of things. And then he throws this in there. Ungrateful. I'm thinking, man, really? All this 
hard-hitting stuff, and you think you throw in there ungrateful. And and uh, I wonder if that's not part of where we live. The definition of ungrateful is actually this, according to the dictionary. Not giving notice to benefits that you've received. That's what it means to be ungrateful. In other words, you you almost think you're you deserve it. And so it's it, but it's not recognizing that you've been benefited from something else. And I and I think, man, maybe that does describe us. There's a there's a old uh, old fable story that goes something like this. People awake in the morning in this village and they awake and it's still pitch dark outside. Well, they go on and they eat their breakfast and they're going to prepare for their days and it's still dark outside. The kids go to school, the people go to work, and then noontime hits around, it's still pitch black outside. And so they begin to get concerned. And so they start talking to one another and they gather at the church and they begin to cry out to God. Because it's just pitch black. They, this has never happened before. It's just dark, just like midnight. And they, they're crying out to God. They're crying out to Him. What's going on? Is this the end? Is this what's going to happen? And, and then in the night, they continue to cry out to God. They stay awake all night looking towards the east. And maybe God has heard their cry and the sun will rise. And sure enough, the next morning, the sun rises and that through tears they begin to cry out praise to God that the sun has risen. Now, the, the moral of that is that we take certain things so for granted. Miracles around us all the time we just take for granted instead of coming with grateful hearts that it even exists. You know, I, I think about this. Did everybody do this for me. Just take a deep breath. Take, take a deep breath. And you can let it out. But think about it. God chose to give us oxygen today. Without it, you and I are history. We look at our respiratory system as a whole and how the lungs and and, and uh, the diaphragm and, and all these things work. We look at our circulatory system, how that we've got this organ the size of a fist in our chest that pumps and pumps all this blood and keeps us going. We have minds that work today and, and, and we don't even give it a second thought that God has given us this until it's taken away. And then we become, oh God. Why was I not more grateful? I wonder if we do not fall into that ungrateful category so often. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Because I want us to look at a story that's very familiar to many of you. I've preached on it before. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 I want to read it and then I want to come back and just kind of unpack some things there for us. But it says this in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem. Now, why is that a big deal? 
This is Jesus' last time. He's going from the Galilee region down south through Samaria to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be tried falsely. He's going to be accused. He's going to be crucified on a cross. Eventually, he's going to rise from the dead. But he knows that's the target. That's the objective. That's the plan of where he's going. So on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is a a familiar story, but I want to kind of unpack some things and get very practical with us for a few minutes, thinking about this grateful heart. Let's first of all look at these ten men. These ten men had a disease called leprosy. Leprosy has, thank goodness, it still exists in our day, but it's been... Uh, alleviated to the point of of minor compared to how it was in biblical days and in other days in our world. But these guys were lepers. Lepers, uh, Leprosy is a nerve disease. It uh, creates numbness in your extremities. Thus, uh, people would uh, cut a finger or burn a finger and not even feel it. And thus, you would find that sometimes fingers would fall off, noses, toes. I don't want to be gross, but you can just imagine the rotting flesh and the destruction that it caused, uh, humility, humiliation uh, for these people, infection. They were considered unclean religiously. They could not go to the temple. They could not participate with other people. They, they had to, uh, one writer said, they actually had to stay at least 50 yards from an individual that did not have leprosy and cry out, unclean, unclean. That's what they had to do to let other people know that they had leprosy. Uh, they were untouchable. They were the untouchables. They were the outcasts. Uh, no physical contact. They couldn't walk up to somebody and shake a hand. They couldn't be hugged. They couldn't be... Uh, touched in any way, shape, or form. Thus, they were isolated and very lonely people. And their humiliation uh, was incredible. They were just considered outcasts. They were considered the walking dead before the walking dead became popular today. Uh, this is the way my mind works. Uh, you got to put up with it. Uh, this week, I thought, Man, the walking dead. The lepers are walking dead. And so I Google search. There's everything on the internet. And it's true. Uh, I said, I, I put 
zombies compared to leprosy. And there's stuff in there on it. I thought, I'm not the only one. that Because you think about zombies are walking dead. The lepers are walking dead. Uh, you don't want to touch a zombie. Uh, zombies aren't real. I'm just giving you a... I, I, I hate to burst a bubble there. But you know what I'm t- talking about, comparing the two. And uh, a guy by the name of John Taman wrote a book called The Colony. And in Hawaii, the Hawaiian Islands, back in the day, their leprosy was very rampant and there was colonies there. And it's called The Colony. And he said this. He said, The patients were judged to be civilly dead. Their spouses granted summary divorces and their wills executed as if they were already in the grave. That's was leprosy. However, it's interesting that these ten men found each other and they developed community. Uh, we're going to talk in just a minute about how leprosy it, physical is like sin in the spiritual. But they these guys were broken. They were they saw that they were outcasts. They uh, they had this disease, but they had the disease in common. And so it didn't matter if they were Jews or Samaritans or whatever. They, they found community because they were broken and brokenness, in their brokenness, they found their bond. And I, and I think about that and I thought, golly, you know, we, we as humans struggle in the area of community because we think we have it all together and we have prejudice against other people. And so we avoid them. We, they're not in our group. But if we could come to the realization that because of sin, the Scripture teaches us, we're all outcasts. We're all set aside, and that's the way we are. And if we can understand in our brokenness, God, we need you desperately, that ought to be our bond that brings us together. And and we talk about these lepers, but but we look at ourselves. These lepers were in great need. They were desperate for a cure, and they saw Jesus as the only answer. Listen, that's our message for our world today. We are in great need. We are desperate for a Savior and a healer, and Jesus is the only answer. So when we're spiritually separated from God, we're in that leper condition. But let's look at the healing. Jesus doesn't touch them. These particular lepers, there were other times that he touched them and brought healing. He doesn't really speak, be healed. All he does is they're crying out. I thought about this too. Uh, Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. I mean, that was God's course for him. That was the objective. That was the destination. But all of a sudden, here are these ten guys, unclean, unclean. And then they see it's Jesus. Jesus! Master, you're, in other words, you're the one that's in control here. Have mercy on us. Now, all of us have people that we really, you're in HEB, and you see the person on the aisle, and you go to another aisle. Yeah, I, I, know, I know you're perfect, but we all have certain people that we avoid. And the reason we avoid them, they may talk our leg off, they may 
you just don't have the time, whatever. And so we, we go somewhere else. Can you imagine these 10 guys? Jesus! Master! If it was me, I'd probably be like, oh, good night. They've got me. But Jesus sees past their need on the outside to their very heart. I've shared this with you before, and it's becoming more and more real to me. God is in the distractions. He's in the distractions. And so many times we brush off the distractions. When God is saying, listen, I'm in the distraction. I'm going to get you to Jerusalem, Jesus, but I'm in the distraction here. And Jesus knew that. And so he stops to help these guys. And what he does, he doesn't see be healed. He doesn't touch them. He doesn't make some pack for their eyes or something like he's done other healings. He just simply says this, go to the priest. Because you see, a leper could not go to the temple at all. But Jesus is saying, listen, go, go to the temple, go to the priest and let him declare that you are clean. Now, the law said that if the priest sees you and he declares that you are uh, clean, then you are free to go about your life. I, w- I want to take a left here right quick, and I, I just sidebar. You know, I believe in healing. I, I believe that God heals. I believe he uses your immune system. He uses doctors uh, and medicines sometimes. And sometimes God in his grace just reaches down and touches somebody and brings healing. Um, I, I, and then the ultimate healing is to be in His presence. So I believe God heals. Um, listen, if you're if you're sick or you're ailing, and and you are praying for God to heal you, still go see the doctor. Okay. I mean, Jesus is saying, you're going to be healed, but go to the priest. Go, go through the system. Because I, I know doctors and, and, and people in medicine are always a little hesitant to say you're completely healed, but, but go, check that, check that out. Bring glory to God that way. Bring glory to God. And so Jesus says go, and so these guys turn from where they're at, and they're going to the Jerusalem to the priest. And it says, as they were walking, they all of a sudden, man, I don't know what happened. I don't know it grew fingers back or the skin just started to clear up. But all of a sudden, these ten are physically cleansed. And, and it was just incredible. And uh, But look at the aftermath of what happens. All were healed. All ten were healed. But only one returned. Only one came back. And he, he, it says four things. First of all, he turned back. This is the reason I think he turned back. You ready for this? He was going to the high priest himself, Jesus, to declare he was clean. That's where he was going. So he turns back. He, he's not going to go that direction anymore. The other nine decide whether they went completely to the temple to get to the priest. I don't know. 
the stories about this one that comes back. He's a Samaritan. He wasn't only a leper, which meaning he was an outcast. As a Samaritan, Samaritans were half-breeds. They were not full Jews. Uh, they had one parent that was a Jew, and then they were mixed race. And so the Jews called them dogs. And so he was an outcast right there. But he's the one that comes back to Jesus. And he turns back. The, the second thing he does is he praises God with a loud voice. I love that, that scriptures say with a loud voice. You know what that says to me? He didn't care who knew it. He didn't care. He just, he just came and he said, thank you, God, for healing me. He made God famous in that village just by declaring that he was healed. And that's what he, he comes and does. He cries out in a loud voice. And it, because at that point, it wasn't about him anymore. It was about God. How many times in life do we think it revolves around us and it's all about me instead about the healer himself? And he comes and declares. And then the third thing he does is he falls at the feet of Jesus. We talked about this last week, that the highest place to stand is at the feet of Jesus. But he fell at the feet of Jesus. And the, the way I look at it is this. His humiliation led to humility, which led to healing. And that's what happened. And he's at the feet of Jesus. And then notice the fourth thing that he does. He's, he, it, the scripture says, he thanked, he gave him thanks. He thanked Jesus. I think he's just thanking him over and over again at the feet of Jesus. He acknowledges that Jesus is the healer. And he just, he has such a grateful heart for what has happened, his healing that has taken place. And then notice what Jesus said. He says, rise and go your way, go your new way, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, you're going to hear this because this is a huge part of the story that we miss. Notice it says that when the ten turned to go to the priest, they were all cleansed. What that cleansed means is they were physically healed. Okay? Now when Jesus speaks to this man that has fallen on his feet, he says, your faith has made you well. Now the difference there is he's not talking about just physical. He's talking about spiritual. He's talking about your soul your emotions, you've been made whole. Because I want you to grab this, that sometimes the greatest need is not leprosy and physical healing. The greatest need is you to be made whole in Jesus. Because so often, we pray more people out of heaven because they are sick instead of praying people into heaven. And we need to understand that. And so there's three points I want you to grab with that thought. The first one is this. The nine got better, the one got whole. The nine got better, the one got whole. You know, we, we think about the greatest miracles that might exist today. You know, if, 
if I were to take Mike here, Mike had a uh, cancer or something, and we pray over Mike, and Mike uh, gets completely healed of that cancer, we would say, thank you, God, you're incredible. But let me tell you, there's a greater miracle than Mike. It's all of us in this room who are separated from God because of our sin. We are the walking dead. And God chose, He chose to intervene in history by displaying and giving revelation fully of Himself in Jesus who lived the perfect life, who went to a cross for us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is the greatest miracle that still exists today. That God takes dead people like us and gives us life. That's the greatest miracle. It would be great if Mike was healed of cancer. But it would is greater when God takes that sin and that scar and makes us brand new. That's the greatest miracle that exists today. So, the nine got better, the one got whole. The second one is this. The nine got the gift, the one got the giver. The nine got physically healed, but the one got the giver. He got Jesus himself. The way I look at it, the nine got religion because they were going to go to the priest and they were going to go through the religious ritual, but the one got a relationship with the living God. See, there's a difference between coming to church and being a true follower of Jesus. There's a difference. The one got, the nine got the gift, the one got the giver. Last point is this. The nine got temporary relief, the one got eternal life. The nine got temporary relief. Listen, all ten of those lepers, even though one came back, I guarantee you all ten of those guys died of something. Eventually they died. Now, whether that nine ever come and acknowledge Jesus as king, I don't know. Maybe they met somewhere else in life. But I can tell you that one got eternal life. We've all been given the grace of years. I don't know uh, how long. For many of you, I've done funerals for infants. I've done funerals for people in their late 90s. I, I've been everywhere in between. But I can tell you this, we all have an expiration date. All of us in this room. I don't say that to be bummer. I just say that to be reality. Because through Jesus, we have eternal life. Only through Him. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. The nine got better. The one got whole. The nine got the gift, the one got the giver, and the nine got temporary relief, the one got eternal life. How's your heart with gratitude today for what Jesus has done for you? Are you one of those that comes with a grateful heart and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done for me? I know we have hard times. I know we have struggles. There was a little boy who's sitting around the family table and they're about to eat. 
probably something like Thanksgiving. You know how kids are. Dad says, uh, hey, I want you to give thanks for the meal. And they're holding hands and the little boy's eyeing the table. And he bows his head and he says, dear God, I wonder about some of the things on this table that I give you thanks anyway. Listen, we look at our day and I think we can say to God, God, I wonder about some of the things going on on this planet today. But I thank you anyway.